Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you today. Hey, the music in the background for just a couple more shows is from our good friend, Mr. Ryan O'Neill, also known as Sleeping at Last. And as you know from the June episodes, the Ennea Summer, he has written a song for every Enneagram number. This is the music from the seven show, because I'm a seven. And so I'm just thankful to him for sharing that music with us. We will kick off with some new music in the fall, and we'll tell you all about that in just a couple of weeks. Today on the show is a friend, a newer friend, but we have a bazillion mutual friends. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this conversation with Mike Donahue from 10th Avenue North. He has a new book out. It actually comes out tomorrow called Finding God's Life for My Will. His presence is the plan. And y'all, I this conversation happened on one of those days that was just so profound and important. And it happened for me on the exact right day. And so my hope is as you're listening to Mike and I, this is the exact right day for you as well. So here is my conversation with Mike Donahue. Why Mike Donahue? Why Why do musicians put one ear in and one ear out of their headphones? Well, there is a very real, you can hear your voice in the track and you can hear it by itself. Yeah, so it gives you a little more control. Oh, yeah. So this is a control thing. It's all about control. Okay, great. Um, This is our first time being real life friends. Hi. Hi. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks. In the last four weeks, I bet I've had 15 people ask me to have you on the show. Are you serious? Yes. My friends that are on the other side of this are like huge Mike Donahue fans. Well, they have great taste. Yeah. (laughs) Or, the, or they don't know me well enough. It's no, one no, or no. The other. It's both. It's probably both. Um, no, they have really great taste. I think that is so fun when, A, they don't know that we already have this on the calendar. Yeah. And B, I just think that is such a high compliment to you that what they know of you publicly, they think, I wish I could listen to an hour of him talking. Man, prepare to be disappointed. <laughs> Shut but up. But I'm going to give you some stuff. I mean, I, we're going to flow here. That's right. Tell me how many friends we share. A billion. Uh, all of them. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's pretty Nashville, right? Yeah, right. But even Jason Miller. Yes. In Indiana. Oh. Right. Good dude. We I share. Hug, so- I would hug him for an hour. <laughs> Non-stop. He probably lets you. I know. It's very sweet. He's an Enneagram five like that. Yeah, he and he's comfortable in, in his own skin. Yeah, there we're you just, go. I'm a four. How? So we're right there on the spectrum, right next Are to each you? other. I mean, yeah. a lot of musicians tend to be fours, right? Most it people, happens. most people, most people think I'm a seven right off, just because I'm verbose and gregarious. But ah. definitely a social four. Really? For those of you Enneagram people. Listen, we just spent the whole month of June on the Enneagram. Well, so then people you are better be fluent. In. Better they are be fluent. Um, what What do you love about being a four? Uh, well, like any four, I love that I'm unique. Yeah, you're the only one like you are. Yes. Yeah, oh, I get man. It. Um, I think the best part about being a four is I have a really good BS meter. Really? Because authenticity is like my highest uh, value. Yeah. And so I f- I've just felt like, and it's not a vindictive or Ugh, I'm looking for the dirt on people. Um, cause if you look for dirt, you get dirt. If you look for gold, you find the gold. You oh, that's a good um, line though. That's an old saying. Uh, it's good though. but I, I usually go, Oh, okay. They're not letting their walls down. I can kind of feel it pretty, yeah. pretty right off the bat. And yeah. I'm like, okay, well let's see if we can get those walls down. Yeah. A friend of mine's brother just has a, has a new girlfriend and I was asking her, tell me what you think about her. And she said, I think I'll really like her 
when we have a genuine conversation. Yeah, well, that's the truth. And I was like, man, that is that is a very kind BS meter moment. Yeah. Of yeah. like, I think under there is a super lovely woman, yeah. but they live up north. And so she was kind of like, I think they expect each other to be quicker, to be um, straightforward than with the mm. southernness that we coat everything oh, with. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she was she was handling it very kindly, but was very also like, this doesn't usually happen up here. Yeah. So I thought, I think that's really interesting. What do you learn about the, like, what's the value to you of authentic people? Um, I feel like I can actually know them and love them. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, what's your wife? What's her number? She's a two. A two. So she's actually, she's a great mystery for me because, and I think that's why I fell in love with her is because it's kind of like she hasn't taken the time to even know who she is because she's oh. too busy helping everybody else. Yeah. Right. So she's been going to counseling lately, and we went to counseling a bunch last year, and that was super revelatory, and it and it gets me excited about, because right that's that's the sort of your similarities are what attract you to a person, then you're celebrating the differences is what will keep you in love with the person. Okay, right? preach that. I mean, <laughs> right question mark to me is great, except I'm not married, so I, so oh, I don't know. But I'm that, trying. <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, we. it's like you, you're you like, oh, I just want someone who's just like me on every facet. And that's mm. really kind of how we fall in love because mm-hmm. we're really narcissistic deep down. Right. So we sort of fall in love with the snapshot of ourselves we see yeah. in the person. Um, but then true love blossoms when you begin to celebrate and really explore the ways. What? You like that? Tell me about that. Yeah. You like that? Like... um. Did you ever read uh, Severe Mercy? Yes. And about how the things that they liked that the other person didn't like, they both took up classes in those mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like the old, you know, the things that annoyed you about someone in the beginning are the things that, like, if they were to pass away, those are That's the things you'd miss. You'd miss. Yeah. yeah. How long have you and your wife been married? 11 years. 11 Just years. celebrated 11 kids? years. Any kids? We have four daughters. Four? Pray for me. Listen to this. You do you know David Hodges, David and Kate Hodges? Yeah. Uh, he's a four daughter dad. Come on. I just think there is something. I'm not exaggerating. I think there is something so special about the men God trusts with all daughters. That's why people are like you praying for that boy. I was yeah. Like, God gives girls to a family that already has a man. Yeah. Oh, there so, you go. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> Tell me the just ages of oozing masculinity. Yeah, that's right. That's I right. I need to be. You know, my corners need to be refined. I have a nine year old an eight-year-old, a five-year-old, and a one-and-a-half-year-old. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do you know about God that you didn't know before four daughters? Oh, tenderness. Really? I th- well, um, patience when I'm flailing. Mm. Maybe patience a- with yourself? I've had to learn to, when my daughters flail, Okay. they don't need me to, stop that, mm. don't do that. Mm. They need me to bend low. And validate what they're feeling. Mm. And it's funny because a lot of times we're like, stop feeling that. Stop being so emotional. And that actually will, it almost like, it just feeds oxygen to the fire. Yeah, It's like when you try to stifle it. But when you like sit down, you validate it. Oh, man, that must be so hard. Those kids called you that at school or, Mm -hmm. you know, your earrings don't match or Mm -hmm. whatever. And it's like instantly... Oh, yeah, it is hard. Yeah. That's, Have you felt more then, tenderness from God because of that t- towards you? Yeah, and and the thing is, what's been really, and I'm, maybe I'm just kind of coming to this as we're talking, but I look at them and I, I don't have an answer for them. 
Mm. I just have presence. Mm. And I think that's how God deals with us is we're like, God, tell me the answer. And he goes, no, I'm just going to be with you in it. Mm. I mean, that's Jesus coming down to earth. Right. That's He's like, I'm going to feel it before I fix it. Mm. Right. Which as a man, I need to learn that lesson. Yeah. And having a home of five women. We'll do that. Our, even like, our even our dog is a girl. Really? So oh six. my gosh! You and Hodges, y'all need to start like yeah. a club of <laughs> men have, who just get together and go. Okay, if our house is full of women, I yeah. I spoke at a church last weekend and they read like a giving um, mantra kind of thing before they do the offering. Right. And part of it says, um, I'm summarizing this poorly, but it says something like, "God is trusting us with something as as little as money to see if He can trust us with true riches." Hmm. And I thought, man, that makes me think of my friends who are parents, my friends who are married. In my life, my calling and kind of the audience yeah. that's listening of like, money is just this little thing yeah. to, that God puts in us to see like, can he handle four daughters? Like I, now I've, I can trust him with four daughters. I just heard a thing about tithing and giving that it's it's chipping away at the natural idolatry that grows around your heart. Mm. And he, and so it just good. naturally, it's like weeds growing up around your heart. And each yeah. time you give, it's like just chipping away from yes. that power yes. that it has on you. That's so. the, I, I've been uh, talking with my, my small group people and being like, we've been talking about what it looks like to give money away well mm. and to be generous to the point that it hurts. Yeah. Well, you know, and to, to like uh, assimilate that with parenthood. I think one of the things I've learned the most is the treasure in giving away my power. Oh, keep going. Um, because I have missed out when it comes to like my band, right? I've missed out on so many opportunities because I needed to be home. Mm -hmm. And the world is saying, no, you got to do this interview. You got to do this thing. You got to do this television thing. You got to do this award show. And saying no and any any parent will tell you the true thing you're learning about being a parent is how very little you're in control mm. and that is so good for your soul yeah it, if the most i would say the most dangerous thing that could be in your heart is independence from god mm. Right? right, and so a lot of us, when we have our, because that's actually the greatest punishment we'll ever face. Right, because the <laughs> only thing you need is need. Yeah. Right, and yeah. when you lose touch that you need God, that's when you you kind of go off the rails. And with being a parent, I'm constantly being reminded of how much I need help and how very little in control I am. Yeah, it's really good. Tell me, are you fine with how this is going? We're just going. We're gonna oh, get to the book. I don't. I yeah. Um. I have to take notes while we're going because otherwise I'll interrupt you constantly. No, so I'm good. not like writing bad things about you. My my friends who've read the book, they've said it feels like you're just talking to me. So yes, this is that is what I agree with that. You and your wife started going to counseling last year or you decided. I, I don't. Yeah. Tell me the benefit of going together. Oh, man. Uh, uh, we love talking I, about like health, I, mental health. Yeah, I'm trying. And it's so funny. I just did a little event for a group of uh, worship team members from like a couple different churches yeah. just over the weekend. And I just flippantly go, yeah, yeah. You know, my wife and I, we go to counseling. My wife's been in counseling. And they all, they're like afterwards, like, who was just blessed that Mike, you know, talked about that he was going to counseling. And I realized how 
how blessed I am to be in a circle of people that it's mm-hmm. so normalized mm-hmm. that I don't even think about it. Yes. It's like, oh, well, of course you go with counseling. Right. Why wouldn't you do that? Right. Well, it costs money. Well, why wouldn't you prioritize your money to be healthy in your heart and yeah. emotionally? And um, Yeah, because we'll pay for a gym. Right, right, right. And we'll, oh, yeah. we'll go to church and buy Bible studies. Yeah. But our emotional health, we don't want to put any money toward. Yeah. It's oh. insane to me. So, yeah, and I've got a buddy who's got a mastering in psychology, one of my best friends. And then my other best friend, he runs like counseling groups mm-hmm. here in Nashville. So it's just natural that I would yeah. do that. And, yeah. uh, but we did this thing with, if you heard of Chip Dodd? Yes, you know, listen, voice of the heart, come on. I love it. So we do that with our daughters. We like oh, put out. We have the feelings all the sitting feelings. out. And the, and the way I've tried what to explain. What does it look like? What do you mean? You put it okay. out like on the table? Yeah. Okay. So Chip Dodd, for those of you who don't know, he he's like a mental health counselor guy. And the way I've come to explain it is he believes that when you talk about emotions, there's primary colors and there's secondary colors. Yeah. Right? I don't know if he actually says this, but this is just how I've come to understand it. Yeah, yeah. And so he's broken down the eight essential feelings of primary colors into eight different words that we can actually feel. And so, for instance, my wife and I, first time we're counseling, she said, they're like, so tell me, what, what do you feel? She goes, well, when he's coming home off the road, I feel pressure. Mm. And she had said that to me for the last year. And I'm going, I don't know what that means. I don't know right. what to do. Right. I want to fix it. And and the our counselor said, hey, okay, on the list of these eight emotions, what's pressure? Because mm-hmm. pressure is a secondary yes, emotion. Yes. It's in your head. You can't yeah. really feel that. And she goes, oh, um, I, f- I feel fear. Oh, wow. And that was it. And and lonely, I think she said. And I just I just start crying. Yeah. You know, and I'm going, I don't ever want to make you feel that. And you know, we go into our stories and realize that some of that is what I've been doing. Some of it has nothing to do with me at all. That's right. And um I just think there's such freedom when we learn to listen to each other. Right? Like I mean, that's just James, you yeah. know, be slow to speak, be quick to listen. Yeah. We're like, hmm, imagine that. That's good. <laughs> Could that really work? Yeah, it works. <laughs> and crazy. so with your daughters, you lay out the emotions just on pieces of paper? Is that how yeah. it looks like in your house? And it's been so helpful. Even this morning, my, my daughter came to us and she said, Dad, I feel frustrated. And I was like, oh, okay, what, what, what is that? You know, well, I feel sad and I feel, you know, and breaking yeah. down yeah. the emotions. And they start becoming much more comfortable just telling us what we feel yes and a lot of people have never experienced that for instance i was teaching this with the band we were having we like put the emotions down yeah and as a band on the bus out on a weekend we're we're doing this and i walk off the bus after we've just had this like everyone checking in with their emotions moment and the tour manager puts his arm around me of another of another band and he goes hey man how are you feeling because we're walking into the venue and i said Oh, thanks for asking. I feel sad and lonely. <laughs> and what does he say? Because he is just oh gosh, he's not yeah. used to that. He goes, he goes, Oh, don't feel that. Yeah. What does he do? He just diminishes what I'm feeling. Yeah. Dismisses it and makes me have to defend why I feel that way. Yes. Instead of going, Oh, sad and lonely. Thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. You know? And he's doing it out of his own, like, let me help. Let's get over it. Like, yeah. Well, not to on, make you feel bad. Honestly, right? he probably is doing it because it made him feel uncomfortable. Yeah, that's right. Because we don't know what to do with vulnerability. Yeah. And and I said, oh, man, don't 
look, you don't have to feel any pressure. I've been away from my wife and kids for four days. If I didn't feel sad and lonely, I would have an unhealthy relationship with them. Oh, wow. Sad and lonely are gifts. Yeah. And so says the four. <laughs> well, the, seven. the melancholy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the sevens. Go, are you a seven? Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. You're like, uh-uh. you're like sad, lonely, gifts. bad. No. Sad, lonely, bad. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's My counselor has the list too, and she will often say, I hear what you're saying. Tell me what that, what it, what, which feeling it is. And yes. it does just give you, if it, I went to onsite about a year ago. Yeah, you did. And onsite and counseling, I, the number one thing they've done is given me tools and language. That's two yes. things. The number one and number two things is tools and language. Yeah. Uh, my buddy, your buddy, dear friend of the pod, John McLaughlin, oh. tours with y'all sometimes, right? John, he has, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he he shouldn't have. Yeah. He's much too accomplished <laughs> to be going out with us. Uh, but him and our guitarist, Jeff, are lifelong yeah. best friends. Yeah. So. I was at their house last night for our small group slash watching The Bachelorette. And they were like, you're having Mike tomorrow. John um, is, I think, for me personally, I've told him this, he is the funniest human I've ever met. Oh, he's His brand of humor is just everything that I like about mm-hmm. being funny. Yes. So we did a thing this morning here. We're filming um, jokes that one of those like, uh, you have to stand across each other and not laugh. Oh, that's fantastic. And so me and one, I'm on the teaching team here. Another guy on the teaching team, one of the pastors here, and I had to do it. And I practiced last night on John. Yeah. I was like, I need you. I need to tell you these and I need us to not laugh. John will crush you. Couldn't do it. Yeah, he crushed me. He totally crushed me. he's so deadpan. But it was like, it was like practicing with a boxing coach before you go up against another boxer. <laughs> and I knew that's what I was yeah, getting myself except into. Except your boxing coach is the champ. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so I think highly, and, and what I've seen with him and Amy and their family is they, they model for me a healthy, mm. let's talk about feelings. Like when I watch them parent, they are so slow to fix. But I mean, not if someone's bleeding, but if uh. someone's upset about something, <laughs> They're slow to fix it and yeah. quick to listen. Yeah. And I, and it reminds me of God and it does not ri- remind me of me. <laughs> yeah. And, and it just takes the very things that as career building, perception building capitalists mm. that we are, mm. um, it is just against all of that because mm-hmm. it just feels like a gigantic waste of time. Mm-hmm. In in my book, I have a whole chapter about capitalistic Christianity oh, and how much we don't realize in America how much capitalism has infected our view of God and each other. Yeah. And the kingdom is not a capitalistic kingdom. Yes. Like Jesus is just, he's real wasteful mm-hmm. when you watch how he operates in the world's terms. Yeah. I am in the middle of making a decision that I can't totally get around what God wants me to do. Mm. And it's a financial decision. And I was saying, I was voice memoing on the way into work today saying to someone, I just can't decide if I'm afraid of conflict or if God's telling me to stop. Like I can't get my mind around. Is he telling me to stop and be generous and be and lose or to, or am I afraid of conflict? So I don't want to stop. So I want to stop, you know? Oh, yeah. What's the answer? I I know exactly what you're talking about. Well. Because his kingdom's if, upside down. If, if, the, if the scriptures are our guiding force, you know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6. Um, He's doing this from memory, everyone. He ba- is, he there's ba- no open Bible. He says, don't take a brother to court. 
would it not be better for you to let yourself be wronged? Mm. But that, I would say, means... And then in Matthew, we're told, as you're walking to court, try to resolve it with one another, right? So that tells me I take it as far as I can from a law perspective of like, if this is illegal, what's been happening... I, I take it all the way to what's just and right and fair. And one of my guiding principles when it comes to money is just, what would I do? You know, just golden rule. You know, well, what would I do in that situation? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, they're not doing that. I'm going to treat them as if I expect them to do what I think is right and fair. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, there comes a point where you got to go, all right, it's I have to let myself be wronged. It's just interesting because I feel like, and I think this is a great, uh, thing about even the title of your book, but I feel like that God has given me about three ways right now where I am learning that his justice is upside down from the world's. Hmm. And your book title is finding God's life for my will, not yeah. finding God's will for my life. And I just think the, the better we know the kingdom and the better we let it be upside down, the more we know him. Yeah. And so I was talking about capitalistic Christianity and my book is about what if the kingdom wasn't meant to be a transactional kingdom, mm. but is meant to be a transformational kingdom. Mm-hmm. And that's really tough for us because most of us uh, in American Christianity, at least, you know, I've played in probably, oh goodness, 2,000 churches over mm-hmm. the last 20 years. And uh, I, I hear a lot about hey, you want to get out of hell and go to heaven, pray this prayer, get Jesus as your Savior, boom. Now I'm saved, don't have to worry about it, I'm going to heaven, now I'm going to go live my life. Yeah. That's a transaction, mm-hmm. right? And Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done. Like So the, he's going, uh, it's not a transactional thing I'm looking for, it's a transformational thing. Mm. Like I talk to heaven and hell with people all the time and I go, I, I'm way more C.S. Lewis where he goes, hell and heaven are the trajectory of a soul. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like you're either becoming hell or becoming heaven. Right. And is God's grace affecting you that it's turning your whole course? Mm-hmm. So it isn't like, well, I'm going to heaven one day because I prayed this prayer. It's I'm becoming heaven mm-hmm. because his grace is changing me, mm-hmm. right? And that's like the book is, it's like most of us go, okay, God, I'm going to do this and this for you. And therefore you owe me X, yeah. Y, and Z. Yeah. I have, I have, like you're saying, I have operated in a healthy, just way. Therefore you owe me a good outcome. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if you look at scripture, there is like, if you do this, then you do this. But those are more like, general guidelines. If you get specific with characters in the Bible, there's lots of like, what? Yes. I think Job is the first book in the Bible for a reason. It was the first book written. First chronologically, yeah. First written. Yeah. A bunch of us are listening to the Bible chronologically this year. And so, yeah, Job being the kickoff of the year is like brutal. Welcome to 2019. It's like God goes, okay, crap's going to hit the fan. Yeah. It's going to be terrible. You just made us a PG rating, by the way. Oh, boy. Crap. to yourself. Uh... And Job doesn't get better. Yeah. He doesn't get answers. No. But he doesn't get bitter. Mm-hmm. And that's really the mystery of Job. It's yeah. like, wow. Yeah. How does this guy lament well mm-hmm. 
cry well, not get answers. And at the end, God doesn't even really like resolve the thing. And I feel like that's one of the things you do really well in the book too, is you talk about the dreams that have like gone really well for you and that there are dreams that you felt like were from God, that you thought this is in me for a reason mm -hmm. that have died. Totally. What do you do with that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you do a couple of things. Uh, specifically, you know, I had a, a big dream. I had a dream to do athletics, and then I broke my back in a car accident. Yeah. What what sport? Uh, I played soccer and basketball. Soccer, come on. U.S. Oh. Women's National Team, we're talking. I mean, okay. I love yeah. soccer. My, so two goals of the podcast are for people to love the Enneagram and soccer. Well, I can make that happen. I believe I'm you. I love soccer. I, Who's uh, your team? Do you have a team in the U.S. or England? Uh, I do like... Liverpool. Well, how could you not? Um, my my best friend has been like a Man U fan since we were kids, well, and so having all the I Americans. cheer for them for his sake. Okay, but early on I picked Liverpool. Yeah, just, just like, how about the end I'm of pick them the eighteen nineteen season? Just, One point off. Just you know, let's not bring that up. Yeah, um, I love Ox by the way. Yeah, Oxall Chamberlain. Like he, yeah. so I'm Arsenal. He was oh. Arsenal. Was one of my favorites. His Instagram stories are some of my favorites, and now he's yours. <laughs> And I just think the world of him. He's a goal to have on the pod. Um, I uh, sorry, you broke your back. No, Keep going. Yeah, this is what so happens. This is what it happens in real life. My my senior year of high school and uh, and midway through soccer season. Yeah, and um, got in that car accident and just had to shift. Was like, hmm, maybe I won't be able to do sports forever. Yeah, and that's when I started playing guitar. Oh my gosh! And um, and so I I talk about it like. And I, you're in 10th Avenue North, by the way. Yes. We haven't said that oh, yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm in a band. <laughs> There's it's a called band 10th called North. 10th Avenue North. You can look it up. And if you're you don't drinking know it. from a 10th Avenue North mug. I know. It's so embarrassing. You showed up with your own we, merch, man. I grabbed it out of the cupboard haphazardly and I got out of my car and I looked at it. I said, She's going to give me crap. About <laughs> I, I just know it. Um, okay, I so you started playing guitar. Um, but yeah, so my senior, when I got in that car accident, I mean, I flatlined five times on the way to the hospital. <gasps> Um, what do you remember? Do you remember any of that? Yeah, I remember the car skidding sideways. Were you we, driving? No, my buddy was. We okay. caught the edge of a old, like country road in Virginia yeah. and just started fishtailing at 50 miles an hour. And I remember sliding toward this yard in the mailbox, shattering the windshield. Okay. And then That's the it. next thing I remember was like waking up in the ambulance, like like a movie, it just faded in. Uh -huh. They're asking me questions, and then it faded out, and then it faded in, and I just saw the lights of the hospital hall uh, hallway. Yeah, as it just one, two, three, as they're wheeling me down the you know the hallway. Flatlined five times. Yeah, yeah, and then and then went black, and then it came back, and my parents are sitting next to me, so we're just like leap leaping hours gosh, at a time. Mike. Yeah. And uh, Your sweet parents, I can't oh, imagine. Oh my gosh, I that, can't imagine. Yeah, and I remember not, I, you know, I was just coming in and out, but I remember feeling afraid when I woke up and saw my parents there crying, trying to be brave, you know. Wow. And uh, you were 16, 17? About to turn 18, okay. 17 years old, and um, went black again, came back to, it was in the middle of the night, and there was a big uh, male nurse, and he was changing something. And I just remember that was the first time I woke up feeling just excruciating pain because I had broken my back in two places. Yeah. Oh and I would broken my skull, ripped my ear off. They had to, re <gasps> Yeah, they had to reattach it. Oh, wowie sally. Yeah. Anybody else in the car? So my buddy Injured? driving yeah. had his seatbelt on. He got banged up, but he was fine. Then there was a kid. We were in a hatchback. 
there was a, a buddy of ours, random, they rescheduled a soccer game that had been canceled previously while we were at school. Ah. So we, in the morning, they sent us home to get our jerseys. So we drove oh, back. And so we so had this much. kid in this two-door hatchback uh-huh. who was like... Crumpled up, yeah. Crumpled up. Dude, so this is wild. The hatch flipped open when we went off the road. He flew out, hit his feet, back rolled, and then landed standing up on his feet in the middle of the road. Not a scratch on him. And meanwhile, your back yeah. is broken in two places. I'm like, bro, you're strong. Yeah, you're I like, to, man, I need to drink more me. milk. Stick with me. Um, wow, okay. But then that's how I, I, I asked for a guitar in the following weeks as I was laying on my back waiting for it to heal. And... um is that the most defining moment of your life? I mean, that's impossible to say. I suppose it depends on the metrics you're measuring. Sure. Right? Um, it definitely is up there Yeah. that I can think of. Yeah. yeah. That, that just seems like that is so much trauma. Yes. <laughs> In so many different ways. And what, what's wild is, I guess, let's see, 13 years later, I would write a song that says, I want to know a song can rise from the ashes of my broken life and everything inside will be reborn. Mm. And I, I remember one of my best friends is a pastor in New York City, and uh, I was telling him about that song, and he goes, you should uh, talk about your your car accident, because didn't that happen to you? Oh, my gosh. The ashes of a broken life, and then a song rose out of it. Like, that's how you started playing guitar? And I I, I just hadn't even thought about it. <laughs> I, you're, you're right. You're right. Yes. <laughs> I am so clever. My soul wrote this without my brain. <laughs> it's really. Um, yeah. And so I talk about how, yeah, I had to give up athletics and then I had a dream of being in theater and I got into college. And Where'd you go to school? I went to Palm Beach Atlantic. Oh, University, yeah, for sure. Which is not a terrible place to no, go. No, it's beautiful. It's I have a. Unreal. The Stoltzfuses. Do you happen to know them? I Jim don't Stoltzfus, know. The Stoltzfus, they were all down there. Stoltzfus. I know, it's hard. They were all down there. So that's how I know them. Um, but. I went down there because I was really into theater as well. And I go, oh, I'm going to be the cat's pajamas at this little sure. private Christian school. Because right. I had gotten into this big Virginia University, Virginia James Madison, yeah. into their theater department. Attaboy. And I had been doing all this theater. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not doing athletics, but I'm going to do theater. And, uh, and I get down there, and I didn't get a part in any play wow. for my first two years. And I wanted to transfer. They don't recognize my genius. How right. dare they? Right. Meanwhile... I'm strumming away, learning how to play guitar. Right. And my junior and senior year, I had to turn down roles in the plays because our band was getting asked to go play all these places. And was it 10th Ave? Well, you already started then. already. Yeah. Wow. And it's not like, oh, it's not like, oh, I just, I totally, God changed, and it's not hard. It still stings. Like when I go out and play soccer and I go, oh, I love this sport. And I I don't get to play. Yeah. And, and. Even acting, it's like, you know, I go, oh, man, I would love to do that. Yeah. And the cool thing is, with acting at least, is there's no time limit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can play an old man yes. in something. Yes. Um, but with soccer especially, like that hurt. And that yeah. that's sort of, you just have to let yourself mourn the right. loss of things. Right. My counselor and I had to walk through that when she was like, you'll never be a wife and a mom in your 20s. Like yeah. you just have to, you just got to mourn that. Yeah. That, that that there's there's no going back to that. Yeah. God can do anything going forward, but there's no going back to that. And and once you mourn something, it it makes space. 
Mm. So, but people, so I, I think that's such a good thing you said, because people so often want you to go, I know I didn't get this, but look, and then the, and how many times do people say to me on the road, I know that you don't have everything you want, but look at how, look at what you've gotten to do because you're single. And I'm like, you're right. Also, like, can I, would, would you be kind enough to let me hold both? Yeah. To let me hold that there are advantages to my calendar and my life and my singleness and also yeah. I don't have what I want. Well, and what you're describing is really the difference between Eastern and Western thought, mm. right? So Eastern thought is is way more comfortable with duplicity. Yeah. And um, I, I read a really great article, The Tension Between Two Truths. Yeah. Right. Will you send that to me? Yeah. I would like to read I'll that. I'll look it up. Yeah. Um, and it is a very hard thing for sevens. Yo. And as yeah, I yeah, come yeah. around it and I recognize other people don't want don't come around it as easily i'm like no no no. i'm fighting for this yes don't tell me to go backwards as, I'm a, as a four for we're like melancholy yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like both of pour those me a bath sure. i just i just want it all <laughs> when we had the fours on the podcast they were like give me a rainy day and just let me look i don't need vitamin yes. d i need a rainy day yes that is exact <laughs> my wife when just in uh april you know we had a, a slew of days where it was like high of 60 and drizzly yeah and she's like, oh, I can't wait for this to be over. And I'm going, I can't, I don't want it to be over. I just want it as long as possible. Friends, just interrupting this conversation with Mike to tell you about our friends over at Flamingo. Y'all, I'm so in love with these razors. No kidding. I just think they are the best, whether it's because you're swimming all summer, which you know, you guys, I love going to the pool, but I have a new tattoo. And so I'm having to take a little bit of a break, but uh, I love swim season. I love traveling and I have loved taking my Flamingo razor with me all over the place. It makes body care for women with hair so easy. It's a great razor, shave gel, body lotion, the works. Flamingo was started by a group of women at Harry's, which is actually a men's shaving brand. You may have seen them both at Target. And they realized that they were using men's razors because there wasn't an option that felt right for them. Now, you guys know that I'm all about you loving your body and doing whatever's right for your body. But if you're a woman looking for the right shave set, this is it. Flamingo shave set and razor are the best I've ever experienced in my whole life, really. I love the gel. I love the lotion. I'm telling you, all it's just the best experience I've had. You should be out there having fun this summer. And hair removal can be a chore, and that's okay. But the Flamingo shave set makes shaving more enjoyable than ever. It's a $22 value. But for you guys, for our friends, it's $16, and it ships for free. It's so easy. And the box is cute. It has this little purple wrap around it. The Flamingo Shave Set is your whole routine in one reusable pouch that has been so helpful for me as I've traveled this summer, including the parts that we normally skimp on if we don't have space, like a shave gel and an exfoliating lotion. And they even include a shower holder, which was so helpful for me when I was on vacation because I just took it with me into the places I was staying all summer. It was great. The Flamingo Shave Set is the talk of town these days. It's been in vogue, glamour, you know, on the That Sounds Fun podcast, you name it, you guys. So try the Flamingo Shave Set this summer. It's a $22 value again, but it's just $16 with free shipping today when you visit shopflamingo.com slash Annie. Again, that's shopflamingo.com slash Annie to get $16 for the whole shave set and free shipping. It'll just show up at your house, you guys. It's so great. I hope you'll try it. Let me know what you think. Shopflamingo.com slash Annie. Now back to the show. I know from our mutual friends and from what I know of you and today, why it was right for you to write a book. 
Oh, you're thanks. incredibly wise and a very good storyteller. And your songs that you write are just they're they're anthemic for oh. us and our faith. Awesome. But why was it right for you for you to write a book? Oh man, because that's a big switch. It is a different monster than a song. Yeah. Uh, so there's a little thing that Paul says in in Corinthians. I'm quoting all Corinthians today. Yeah, and I, the, what everyone's laughing because they know that I don't like love, Paul. Like I'm fine oh. with them, but he and I just have some like we're sure. gonna get to heaven and need like I just need eight minutes well, for us to understand. It's also problematic because there's a couple of times where he goes, "I'm not hearing from the Lord on this, but this is what I think," mm -hmm. and you're going, "Hey, man, hey, we're shaping. Just, just, just leave that out then. <laughs> just leave it out. We don't, for you sure. know." Um, yeah, so I I get the the tension with Paul, uh, but one little thing that I think we can all agree on, he says, "Redeem the time." And so I just honestly, I thought it was terribly narcissistic and egotistical to write a book. Hmm. And I've been writing blogs for years. Mm -hmm. And you've just loved writing. Just clearly. always. Yeah. yeah. Uh, literature was my favorite subject. Honestly, favorite book. What? 10th grade, Les Miserables. Oh, really? That did it for Changed you? Changed my life. <gasps> wow. Changed my life. There's a scene, if you haven't read it, Everyone knows the the candlesticks moment, yes. right? Or, or maybe you're not familiar with it, but Jean Valjean, the convict, stays the night in the parish, and the bishop has these candlesticks. Jean Valjean, who's just been treated so kindly by this guy, steals them, and you're like, dude, you're such an idiot. This is your chance. Don't blow it. Mm. And you know they catch him, they bring him back. He said you gave him these, and the bishop says, actually, yes. And he forgot the silverware and the plateware. Yeah. Here you go. And it's the bishop's, you know only it's all treasures have. in the world yeah. right and um so then he leaves but then the next scene is what changed my life okay jean valjean's walking through the countryside and there's this little boy this isn't in the play or the musical no 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 of course yeah. not uh petite uh petite gervais or petite gavroche which one's the one who sing who's in the war gavroche, gavroche I think. Yeah. so gervais is his name petite gervais little gervais and he's walking and he's flipping a coin and he's singing a song and he flips this coin and it drops down and it rolls away from him right up to Jean Valjean who's walking along the path. Jean Valjean steps on this coin and this he's just been given all this mercy uh -huh. and he, and or grace really and he, and he steps on the coin and the little boy runs up he starts pounding him give me my coin give me my coin he won't give him the coin back. He won't give this coin back to this little kid who's just singing a song. Yeah. And the kid runs away crying and wailing. And as he looks down at the coin, Victor Hugo says he, at that moment, encountered the, the reality that he either needed to let himself be melted by the kindness of the bishop or he would be hardened to it forever. Wow. And there is this, God can give you all this grace, but if you don't let it melt you, hmm. You're gonna get hard, harder and harder and harder. Yes. I think Judas yes. portrays that for us well too. Right. Anyway, so yeah, tenth grade, uh, I read that. I loved books. I've always loved books, and so I really didn't think I was skilled enough or wise enough to write one. Tim Keller always talks about uh, fifteen years ago. Think about yourself. You're an idiot. Mm. He goes. That means uh, fifteen years from now, 
you're going to look back. You're going to think you're an idiot. So you're an idiot now. Isn't that the worst? In your, in your own estimation, not yes, even in the yes, world yes, estimation. Yes. No one else is going to say that to me. Yeah. I'll say it to myself. Yeah. I think that when I think like, man, five years ago, I was not as emotionally healthy. Yes. And now I'm like, oh, no. In yeah. five years, I'm going to be like, Downs, you didn't even yeah. have it then, girl. Um, but hopefully we're moving forward. Moving forward. That's exactly right. Um, Deeper levels of the onion. Yes. But uh, there's a bunch of people on my Instagram who would just say, man, I want you to write a book. Yeah. You know, maybe 25 people who just kept commenting that yes. over the years. And I just went, okay. Yeah. I'll write you guys a book. Yeah. And I was like, not as a, I'm going to make this a big thing. Not as a, I need to up my uh, social platform. Yeah. Because I, I firmly believe God doesn't need my platform or my songs right. or my book. Right. Um, so I, I said, uh, all right. God, when can I do this? And I was like, I don't have any time. I have four daughters now. Right. Well, I had three at the time. It's like, I, I just don't have time with all the touring. And da, da, da. And I was flying across the country. And for three hours, I stared at the seat in front of me. And I went, or do I have time? And that word, redeem the time, just kept coming in my head. Yeah. And I went, okay, here, here it is, God. Whenever I'm on a plane, I'll open up my laptop and I'll start writing. That's it. So yeah. for the next two years, I wrote the Every whole flight. book on planes. That's it. Oh, my gosh. That's it. And then... Redeem the time. That is like... I'm, I'm taking yeah, that with and, me. And, and redeem the time that you have. You don't yeah. even need to like kill yourself. Just go, how can I... Because yeah, there's you know, rest. You need to rest, too. But oh, We could talk for an hour about... Sabbath? Is that a thing? The difference between being freed from living for yourself mm. and taking care of yourself. Okay. The church doesn't know the difference. Yeah. We're real serious about not murdering people, but we do not care about the Sabbath. Well, deny yourself, take up your cross. <laughs> yeah. Okay, deny, 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 deny. And that's why twos in the Enneagram get abused in church yes. culture because yes. they just, yes, 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 I'll keep doing it. Right. Frederick Buechner has a beautiful little thing about uh, if, you know, your child falls into a rushing torrent of a river, the worst thing you could do is jump in after them. Mm. Then you both get swept away. Mm -hmm. It's like on the airplane. In mm -hmm. the event of emergency, put oxygen on yourself first. Yeah. Like, what? That is terrible. No. That way you can save the kid next yeah. to you. Yeah. And he says the best thing you could do is find some firm footing, reach out a sure hand as best you can, and make your best effort at saving them. Mm -hmm. And he said because there's so many ministers especially who give and give and give and give until they themselves need the very ministering to yeah. that they were trying to give. And he says, a bleeding heart does no one any good if it bleeds to death. Mm. And there's that, we die to ourselves, right? We take up our cross, we follow him, but we're also called to life abundant. So there's this tension between two truths yeah. of I need to take care of myself, but I don't live for myself mm. i don't pamper myself right right or luxuriate or you know whatever but then again there's even moments for that you know so anyway so yeah redeem the time and i and i wrote the book and this is the the funniest part of the whole story is like okay god i'm just gonna put it on our band website and sell 25 copies to the 25 people that's what you were going to do. You were like, okay, I'm yeah. just going to put it on the website. I legitimately <laughs> went, this is for those 25 people. That's it. Oh, my gosh. And, so and then um, I said, okay, okay, God, that's my plan uh -huh. because 
I had these time this time on the airplanes to write it. I don't have the time to promote it. Yeah. I loathe self promotion. Yeah. You know, let another's lips praise you, not your own. That's Proverbs. And I said, All right, so here this is what we'll do, God. If you have some other plan for it, you're just gonna have to do all the work because yeah. I know I don't have time to do that. Mm-hmm. And three days later, my buddy I was finishing up a chapter. We were on this tour called Winter Jam. Yeah. And I'd just flown in and I sat on the bleachers and I was finishing my thoughts that I'd started on the plane. And my my buddy goes, Hey, what are you doing? I was like, Oh, I'm finishing a book. You writing a book? Yeah. Can you send it to me? Sure. Send it to him. Stephen Carswell is his name. Yeah. Eddie of Carswell's son. Yeah. And uh then all of a sudden I get this email. Hey, this is so and so from so and so. I got your book from this guy who got a yeah. book from this guy who got a book from Steven. And honestly, lead singers, they don't write good books, so I wasn't interested. But then my editor said his son played drums for this rapper named NF, and uh-huh. you guys had talked a bunch out in the festivals last year. And he said, if Mike wrote a book, you should read it because he's legit. And so, you know, I gave it a shot. And you know what? It's actually pretty good. I think you might have something. So they send it out. 59 no's from sure. all these publishers. So that was an agent who was reaching yes, out Yes, a Got book it. agent. Okay. And 59 no's right off the bat. And then Susan at, Water, oh, at Waterbrook. Isn't she the dearest? She wants, to, she wants to talk to me the next day. Oh, my gosh. And I go, okay. Yeah. And, he goes, and my book agent goes, I don't know what she wants to talk to you about. Yeah. I've never heard of this before. She calls me in tears. And she goes, yeah. you, at the time, I started the book with my um, car accident story. Yeah. And she says, my son was in a near fatal car accident yes. his junior year and wow. picked up a guitar because of it to deal with his oh brain injuries, started a band in college. You guys have the same story. She goes, I had goosebumps all over my arms. Yeah. Like this was my son's story. Yeah. And blah, 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 fast forward. And here we go. And Waterbrook is an incredibly special team, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. Um, man, they, they got their stuff together. I know. Way I more than so I do. so highly of them. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I really love that team. It, it is amazing how something that Karen Kingsbury said to me one time, who writes more books than I will ever know how My to My sister-in-law does her hair. Does she? Well, there we go. Yeah. Nashville stuff. She, we were at the same <laughs> event, and she just said, ask God to be your PR person. Yeah, that's good. And she and, and that is what you have done here, is you did the work, and then you went, okay, God, yeah. put it where you want to put it, and he always does. And, and the thing is, I try to tell people all the time, there's this, this fine balance of, yeah, you got to do all the work you can, right? But as far as building something, you know, we're told in Isaiah, unless the Lord builds a house, the workers labor in vain. Right. But the the workers can build up a pretty big, fancy, impressive thing mm-hmm. that's not breathed on by God, right? And I'm just at that point where I go, man, if something's going to go, I, I want to look back and go, God must have been involved. I don't want to be able to explain everything to my hard work. Come on. Because I'll, I'll just be like, oh. Yeah. If I had stopped, it just would have fallen apart. Yes. Yes. Uh. Yeah. I don't want, I, I don't have, don't we all, I'm not strong enough for that kind of pressure. That, well, and that's why the subtitle of my book is His Presence Becomes the Plan. Mm. I'm like, don't we all, at the end of the day, don't you just want to know? You're not really out to accomplish something. You want to know that you are participating with the divine. That's what you want. Mm-hmm. And that's literally all I want. <laughs> and, that, and, and, and we right. misconstrue that. And instead, we take like the cheap shortcut accomplish, 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 succeed, succeed, build, build, build. Because why? Because people want fame and money and power because they want to feel like they're with God. Mm. And so we take the next best thing and we try to become our own little God. 
And man, I'd rather be known and loved by God than be my own. Yeah. You're very good at this. I know oh. you've done this for 20 years, but I also feel like this is what it would be like if we were having coffee. Yeah, I, I am be, having coffee. Yeah, that's right. In my in own, own mug. So <laughs> something we talk about a lot on the show, it's just something that people like to hear from different people is what it is like to hear God for you. And so I'd love for you to talk about your what God sounds like to you. He sounds like, Mike. <laughs> No, you know, I read the Jesus Storybook Bible to my girls every yeah. morning, and whenever it's Jesus talking, I do a British accent. For do some you? Of I don't know why. Why not? It just seems more. Why not authority. give them that? I yeah. I'm friends with a band called Ren Collective. They're Irish yes, group. I and, love them. And I always tell Gareth, I'm like, you're not smart. You just have an accent, <laughs> so it just has more authority. Yeah, that's right. Um, and Irish accents go up. Uh huh. They so end on a, yep. You can say way more melancholy things and people will go with you if you're Irish, mm -hmm. you know? Like, yeah. So I just read about a bunch of people who died. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, you're really very good at that. They died. They died. Yeah, they just died there. You know, and you're like, oh, really? Right. Suddenly it's not so bad, right? The news. Can it you goes do up. all accents that well? No, no. Just no, Irish. No. Well, you sound proper I've, Irish. <laughs> you know, I used to live in Scotland. Oh, I didn't know. So that. you, so this is very like Scotland. Oh, that's more like you know, like Shrek, really. Oh my! Hey, don God. hey donkey, donkey! Listen, Shrek. In the morning, I'm making waffles. <laughs> you know, we could go on. It's, you can I was a theater, go on. I was a theater major. You know, oh, you gotta, right, sure. Yeah. So anyway, Jesus. I do want you to get down all the different Scottish accents because you're very. You gotta. You've nailed. Have, have that you watched that video where the the dialect coach goes through the UK? No. He goes through all of Ireland, Scotland, and England. No. And he does like twenty eight different accents. No, I'm gonna. Well, Jenna, you know, like, who does yeah, our we're research, we're in Liverpool, and uh -huh. in Liverpool, the L's just fall away, and and then he goes into Brighton, and he like. And, he, and his accent just changes as the map goes. You look it up on YouTube. Oh, it's, we're going to. It's a lot of fun. Okay, tell me more so, about Jesus. Jesus sounds British, you know, uh, when I yeah. when I read him to my girls. But I actually write about this in the book. There's a chapter called Wasting Time on God. Mm. And I say it that way because every time I section out time to just pray, like real contemplation, um, it just feels like a gigantic waste of time. Hmm. And nine and a half times out of 10, I don't feel like I hear anything. Uh, but there's a quote I put in there from Henry Nowen about how he would take these walks of contemplation through this chapel, this Carmelite chapel. And he wouldn't hear a great voice and he wouldn't feel a great thing, but those times would connect like a river hmm. for him mm -hmm. where he felt caught up in something. And I think the thing I would say, first of all, if you're not hearing from God, because I go through long droughts where I don't feel like yeah. I hear anything, when I at least make time to just sit and really try, there's a peace that comes going, well, I know I gave him the chance to say something. Mm -hmm. So I'll just keep moving forward and trust because if he wanted to say something, at least I took the time to give him a chance to talk to me. And then if he's not talking to me, I'll just go with the last thing I heard, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but for me, most of hearing God is from the rear view mm. where I go back. I go, oh, yeah, that was God. 
Or, yeah. oh, man, that wasn't. Yeah. Um, I, I open up the book talking about the difference between the Red Sea and the Jordan River and how it's, it's just it's striking. Um, there's two different, right in the Old Testament, you know, the people of God, they get out of Egypt and then they stand at the Red Sea. And before anyone touches a toe in the Red Sea, God parts it. Yeah. And they go through on dry land. But then just a little later, when they're going into uh, Canaan, um, and they've got the Ark of the Covenant, God commands the priests with the Ark to go into the river first, and they get wet. Mm-hmm. And just talking about that difference of sometimes God speaks a word, clears the path, and it's all dry, dry land, yeah. it's smooth sailing. And then sometimes it's like Indiana Jones from The Lion Head in The Last yes. Crusade, where you just... You're Step. stepping into, and then right. once the the water's rising up around you, then he parts it. Um, and so that's been the case for me. There's times I've just been overwhelmed, like tingling all over. I've had some pretty wild experiences with dreams and different things that are pretty mystical. Yeah. It'd be hard to, it'd be a whole another hour to yeah, try yeah, and describe yeah. all that to you, but... On the but you trust it when you dream something and you just give it time to Yeah, I line up. it up. I, I test it off people. I, yeah. you know, yeah, I had this one really wild dream in college where I literally felt, literally, I don't know if I'm using that word correctly. I was felt like I was, I was praying, God, I want to see you. God, I want to see you before I fell asleep. And then it went, yeah. and I was watching myself in my dream, still praying that. And then I started feeling like I was flying upward. And this light was approaching me. I'm, yeah. I'm not making this up. It's, I, this no, this I, happened one time. It's I not like this happens so every night. in right now. And I was going, and I kept, I was still you praying. Still God, saying, I want to, yeah. pr- I want to see you. God, I want to see you. God, I want to see you. And then it was getting intense. It was like the light was getting brighter and I could feel actual wind on my face. I'm like, God, I want to see you. 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 And then I went, okay, that's too much. And I woke up oh. and sat up in my bed and I was covered in sweat. That's so sweet. And it, it felt like it had been two minutes yeah. but it had been you know five hours it was middle oh of the gosh. night it was like four four in the morning and i, I looked around the room and I'm like, what was that yeah what was that god did i really just start to see you i don't know i'm gonna go back to sleep now. <laughs> you know just one of those wild things that i think god is so gracious to give us these little tastes because there's just it's so easy to doubt it's so easy Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I would say I'm like 80% doubting that I've ever heard him and yeah. 20% very sure that I have. Yeah. And, uh, and that's all right because you have to have doubt to have faith. Yeah. Just like you have to have fear to have courage. That's good. You know, so. Holding the two truths. Yeah. My, my nine-year-old daughter, she's afraid to go upstairs because there's no light up there. It's like, daddy, I'm scared. I'm scared. I go, I know you're scared. And, you know, before I learned emotional health, I would have been like, don't be scared. Right. But instead I go, the cool thing about being afraid is now you get the chance to have courage. Yeah. Because if you weren't afraid, you can't be courageous, you know. Man, the cool thing about being afraid is now you get to have courage. Yeah. Say that to every kid you raise. And and the cool thing about having doubt is that now you get to have faith. Mm. And that we we don't say a lot. Yeah. But... Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. Faith the size of a mustard seed. I mean, Jesus is making it pretty clear to us um, that he's not expecting us to out-faith each other. Yeah. You know, because that's a whole other thing. I've watched all these YouTube videos, and it's always like, get to this spot in your faith. Build up 
I'm up here and you guys are down here. And that's because I've trusted God to do all these things. And I go, man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, well done you. <laughs> Peter was walking on the water and then later on he's denying Jesus to his face, you know? And then even after he was put in charge of the church, Paul later is coming and rebuking him for showing favoritism to the Jews and he's scared of the circumcision. So I'm like, I don't know, man. That's th- another one of my problems with Paul because Peter's my dude. I'm like, uh, settle, Paul. Peter. Yeah. <laughs> Peter had to be a seven. Peter, well, Peter is, uh, he gives us all hope. Right. And isn't it just so beautiful um, that God says, when it's time for me to build my church on somebody, I'm going to put it on a bumbling, doubting idiot. Because mm-hmm. then suddenly it's like, oh, God can use me. Yeah, I was about to say, he's still doing it today. Yeah. <laughs> right here in this room. So I do, I do want to say this last thing before we, before we wrap up. I know our time is getting short. Um, but the Peter thing is one of the most important little chapters in the book. I've got a chapter called The Leader Label Lie. Mm. And I think a growing epidemic in the church is that we are lifting up the value of leadership to a really distorted, unhealthy place yeah. where we're calling everyone to be leaders. Um, we're, we're saying it's actually a virtue when Jesus doesn't command anyone to be a leader. Come on. The word we see in the New Testament for leaders is shepherds. Um, when he calls Peter uh, at, on the beach, he doesn't say, Peter, lead my sheep. He says, Peter, feed my sheep, mm. right? And Paul, I know he's not your guy, but in First but Corinthians, but I like it. I mean, I like him. I'm, I'm going to stick with him. him. I'm going to yeah, stick with him. In First Corinthians I still, three, I still think the whole Bible is true. In First so. Corinthians three and four, both places, you've got people arguing about some of you want to follow Apollos, some of you want to follow Paul. They're talking about who their leaders are, right? And he says twice, right there, two chapters apart. He says, "Do not." call us leaders, Mm. call us servants. And we can't bear with it. So we go, no, servant leaders. Yes. Because we can't call the church to be servants because if people haven't truly been transformed, the word servant doesn't appeal to their ego. So we have to put the word leader on it to get people to engage Mm. because we're still appealing to their ego. Yes. And I would just say... Words change. Yeah, they change their meaning. The word dapper used to mean fat. Mm. The word um, nice used to mean silly. Mm-hmm. The word uh, inmate used to mean anyone who lives in a house. Oh wow! Um, the word matrix was a combination of fluids. The word I, I could go on. The word awful used to meant awe inspiring. Yeah. Um, words over time change their meaning. So. The word gay used to mean happy. Right. So we stop using them in certain contexts if they start to give a false meaning than what we're trying to imply. And I would argue the church would be better if they just got rid of the word leader altogether. Like, well, what do we call our worship leaders? Call them worship feeders. Mm. That's what Paul says anyway. Call them worshipers. Well, that, well, and, but worship feeders, I mean, yeah. Jesus says, don't lead my sheep, feed my sheep. Because to feed a sheep, where are you? In a posture position. You are on your knees, on the ground, mud on your clothes, handing animal stuff to animal, slobbering on you, eating out of your hands. That is not the picture we have in our heads when we think of a leader. Mm-hmm. 
we think of money, power, and fame. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, man, worship feeders. That's I don't really know. Really good. Uh, something that Pastor Kevin here, the pastor, we call him the pastor of the pod, has said before is Jesus didn't say, "Well done, well done, good and faithful leader." Yep. So yeah, let's get rid of the word. Let's just have like a follower conferences, servanthood conferences. Okay. I'll start that with you. The attendance will be way down, but, but it'll be cool. Who cares? It'll be it'll way be less cool. pressure. Yeah, right. <laughs> so much less pressure to be a servant. Yeah. So, and I'd say that to bands, band, like even our own band, I go, remember guys, we're waiters here. Mm. That's right. Serving up. We're waiters. Yeah. So. We could do this a long time. Yeah, yeah, For yeah. about Thanks a lot for of things. Uh, stop. Uh, do not thank me. Thank you. Um, this is... This is really special. Awesome. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. Thanks for having you me. You are welcome here anytime. Okay. If you have thoughts, I'm going to be go, here tomorrow. Okay. I, hey, listen, be, be I would right do there. it. Now I just, get why all of my friends love you so much. <laughs> I'm like, duh. That we should have been friends for a long time. Very kind. Um, the last question we always ask. Yeah. Because the show's called That Sounds Fun. What sounds fun to you? What sounds fun to me? Oh. Um, I am going on vacation on Sunday with my kids down. And to- your wife? And my, uh, well, no, actually, my wife is going to Yosemite with okay. one of her best friends for the week first. Oh, wow. It's been a well big done. dream of hers. Yeah. So, you go, you go, girl. You go, girl. And then she is going to fly and meet us there in Florida. Um, but my buddy, he's got a boat and they got a third lung snorkel thing. Yeah. So you can go down and you can spear fish with okay. like a hand spear. Yeah. And then you eat the fish that you spear. Are you bros with Corey Asbury? He's a I, fisherman. No, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, Corey. y'all should be friends. We've met and go. in yeah, passing. Yeah. High fives. Yeah, that y'all should fish together someday. Okay, um, Corey, if you're listening, let's <laughs> go fishing. But I only spear fish. Bruh. That's pretty rad that you spear it's fish. It's way more hardcore. Yeah, for real. You just shoot fish underwater. Yeah, it's awesome. Are you scared of sharks? Not with a spear in your hand. Good word. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, come at me, they shark. Are, they are less scary when you have something between you and them that's yeah, you can murderous. That. There's so- <laughs> oh, okay, well, have a great vacation. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. We are really grateful for you. Oh, you guys, isn't he the best? I'm telling you, I... I feel like if Mike Donahue isn't ready to be a pastor now, it's going to be happening soon. I would be listening to that guy preach a lot. I really, really like him. Um, I look forward to us hanging out again soon. You guys, make sure you grab a copy today of Finding God's Life for My Will. I have really enjoyed having that book. And full disclosure, I've had it for a little bit of time, but I have really enjoyed it. So make sure you grab one this week as the book is just now releasing. Congrats, Mike. That's so really, really fun. Hey, make sure you give him a follow all over the place. And if you haven't, I mean, you do, but if you haven't already listened to 10th Avenue North, you definitely need to get some of their music in your ears as well. Make sure you follow them. Follow Mike on Instagram, Twitter, all the places. Tell him thanks for being on the show. Hey, and if you know a fan of 10th Avenue North, this would be an amazing episode to send to them. And if you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs all over the place. F as in... Oh, Finding God's Will for My Life. F as as in Mike Donahue's book title, Finding God's Will for My Life. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, all the places, anywhere you want to find me, that is how you can find me. Okay, I think that's it for me. I'm going to go out and do something that sounds fun. I hope you will do the same. And we will see you back here on Thursday with you guys, Lauren Daigle.
Lord, what a very musical week we're having. Starting the week with Mike Donahue, ending the week with Lauren Daigle. It's really, really fun. So you guys stick around and we will see you on Thursday.